Pastor James has been sharing a series, Only Jesus. So I'm going to continue that, Only Jesus. And it might be really hard, okay, what Only Jesus is Robert going to (laughs) do? Only Jesus shows us the Father. Not a hard guess, right? Um, Raul's story, Pastor Raul's story that I just shared with you, shows you kind of a story of abandonment versus trust. A sense of abandonment versus trusting in God's love. His relationship with the Father was fear-based. You know, if, if I don't do good enough, Father might abandon me or close his heart toward me or dry up his blessings toward me. And so I better do more because I've got to pay the bills and somehow support my family. And I hope that God's not upset with me. At some level, this is everyone's battle. At some level, this is everyone's battle. If you think about it this way, anytime you're triggered over anything, it's a disconnect from God's love. Whatever it is, if you're triggered with your spouse, with your kids, with someone at work, with a situation in the world or in traffic or anything with yourself, it always involves a disconnect from love. Because if if you're seeing through the Father's eyes how he looks at it with his eyes of love, you won't be triggered. Right? That kind of gets you to the root. And it's the Father's love that heals this. So this shows us where our battle lies, and it shows us where we, we can address the root issue of our challenges. So Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. He came to bring that healing to our lives. It says in John 14, 18, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. So Jesus is saying, I'm not going to leave you in that place of feeling abandoned and disconnected, but I come to you. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what's Jesus saying? I'm leading you to the Father. I am the way to the Father. I've come to help you get to the Father's love. Romans 8. Uh, 15 and Galatians 4, 6, both tell us uh, that that we're going to call the Father, Abba, Father. We were watching, um, we're on season three of The Chosen, we're a little bit late to the party, but we're watching uh, episode two last night, and um, one of the people there is kind of having this reconciling moment with his father, and and, and the mother's like, say Abba, because that means daddy, that means daddy. And God said, you know, my spirit is going to be in you in such a way that you're going to cry out, Abba, Father. You know, there's two different verses that talk about it, you know. Does God repeat himself? Did he forget? You know, no, right? He's making a point like, yeah, this matters. Connecting with the Father's love with a heart that wants to say, Abba, like these things are important. This is where healing comes. But here's the challenge. We relate to fathering the only way that we know how. When I was uh, fairly newly saved, I was going to church here. This was back in 1986. And I was working at a restaurant as a waiter. And I was on fire for God, and I'm working hard for God. I had a little pocket Bible. In those days, I could read it even without glasses. <laughs> and I, if I didn't have a table to wait on, I'd be reading my little Bible and stuff. But the challenge would be all of the cooks in the kitchen were not saved. 
and they love to tell very dirty jokes. And I'd go in there to get the food to take out to the tables, and they'd be cracking all these jokes, probably more so when they knew I was in there, just to get me, you know. And I would find myself too often laughing. Like I would try not to laugh, and I'm not going to laugh. That's a dirty joke, and God for sure will not like that. And I would just lose it, and I'd start laughing, and it would be terrible, and I would feel very condemned. Back in those days, almost every day I would wake up and think, I'm going to fast today. I'm going to fast and pray all day because I have to get God's anointing and his blessings in my life. But usually by midday, you know, I'd get, in those days I was in the Captain Crunch, just the plain old Captain Crunch. Uh, Have a big old, you know, half box bowl with cold, cold milk. Dang it, I didn't fast again today. I'm never going to reach his anointing. And then I even went through this season where I would search out like really hard preaching. Like I I would try to find, uh, you know, these guys on the radio who could preach the hardest and really put it on me and, and, you know, and really just kind of beat me with the word because I thought if I could just hear hard enough preaching long enough, I could finally pull myself up by my bootstraps and be the kind of Christian that God wanted me to be. I live like this. I'm serious. And I, and I couldn't ever quite reach that standard or reach that goal and continually had a feeling God's just not super happy with me. And so when I would fail like that, when, you know, it's the end of the day and I laughed at the jokes and I ate the bowl of cereal and I figured God's definitely upset with me, I would have this feeling I should avoid God's presence for a while because he's probably upset. Let him cool off, you know. <laughs> And then maybe tomorrow I'll pray again or something because he probably doesn't want to talk to me a whole lot, you know, at this point. And it's interesting that I didn't grow up in church. Like, I didn't hear teachings that would say God's like this. But I just naturally thought that's what the Father was like. There was just something in me from the way my earthly father was so angry and abusive growing up. I I just had this sense, well... God must be like that. I didn't think it up. It just came out of me. So do you battle with trying to be good enough for God's approval? Do you ever battle thoughts and feelings of not measuring up? So here's a question for you. How do you measure how close you are to God? How do you measure at any given moment how close you are to God? We could probably think of any number of, I feel his presence, you know, I have a sense of his love. I fasted today. I got up early and prayed, read my Bible, witnessed to somebody. How do we measure how close we are to God? It never changes. It never changes. Maybe in my heart, I might move away, but God's heart never changes. It's always loving toward us. Many people battle oppression and condemnation daily in their Christian walk because they don't understand how much the Father loves them. Many Christians, even though they've been in church for a long time, still battle these feelings of condemnation and oppression. There's people even in certain churches who've had you know, certain mindsets where they view the Father as kind of the policeman in the sky with his billy club. And he's just kind of looking around the earth. He's got his club out, and he's looking who's sinned today. 
who committed it? Which one of my children committed a sin today? Did you? Did you? Boop! And the father is angry and very concerned with justice. And, and only if we can call on loving Jesus quickly to, to spread his arms out in front of angry father that we can somehow be okay. And, and we can have this image in our heads that there's loving, safe, protecting Jesus, but, but the father is angry with the pointing finger as the policeman in the sky with his billy club ready. I'm having a lot of trouble with the ear mic today. I thought about using a piece of tape, and then I thought, boy, that looks silly. I should have. Father may not like everything that you do, but he always likes you. There's nothing you can do to cause God to love you any more than he already loves you. And there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you any less then he already loves you. It never changes. He's mature in his love. Imagine. He's not fickle. He's not having a bad hair day. You know, someone didn't step on his feelings last night. So there's like a couple of reasons that we can have this view of the father. We can have this view if we were raised, you know, in this very, um, you know, hellfire and brimstone type environment that that just straight up preaches, you know, an angry God. I ministered to this one person. Uh, this, this person was a minister, and they were actually, at the time, a very well-known minister. A lot of people even here would probably know their name. And they grew up in a holiness church that really had a huge, huge focus on being holy. And this is how they grew up, and they would, this person's telling me their testimony. They would come home from church on a given Sunday, and they said, without fail, you know, we'd come home from church and have lunch. Without fail, one of the kids would do something, and dad's belt came out. Without fail. And the beatings began every Sunday. Because for the parents, obedience and holiness are going to happen. They're going to happen. Because God's not happy, and I'm not going to be embarrassed, and this is what God wants. This person came to me after having been in ministry a long time, a very, very excellent minister, uh, well-known, and yet living with an anxiety disorder and taking medication for anxiety. They grew up with this preaching and emphasis and focus on holiness and obedience, but it did not produce holiness and obedience. It produced an anxiety disorder. You cannot scare somebody into maturity. Only love matures. Only You cannot scare somebody into maturity. Only love matures. I was ministering at this church. Actually, I've been to this church a couple of times. I don't know why they had me back. But <laughs> in Malaysia, it was in Malaysia. And the, uh, the pastor was this lady. And I actually like her. She's a nice lady in many ways. But she has a lot of this stuff I'm talking about. So it was pretty regular that she would get up and, and preach and say, you, you're, you're lazy. God's people are lazy. You don't want to come here in the mornings and pray. You don't care about that. You're lazy. <laughs> I'm not sure that's going to be the thing that motivates them into what you're looking for. There was this other pastor I knew about who believed in eternal salvation. And so he'd get up on a Sunday 
morning if it had been a frustrating week with the sheep. The way y'all been acting this week, God should kill all y'all right now and take you to heaven before you lose the rest of your reward. Not sure that's going to produce good behavior either. But you know what? These pastors were expressing the only fathering that they knew. It's what they knew. They didn't know something else. How can you have intimacy with someone who you think is angry with you? Only love matures. Think of a husband and wife who just had a big fight right before bed. And then they, big, you know, big argument and they go to bed. And the wife is over on her side of the bed, on the very edge, to the point of falling off. And the husband is over on his edge of the bed, you know, to the very edge, almost falling off. And there's no intimacy or warmth between them. Because you can't have intimacy with someone who you think is angry with you. Another reason why we can struggle uh, with a wrong image of who the father is, is I've kind of touched on it already, but kind of what our earthly fathers and mothers modeled for us. So like in my case, you know, my dad was alcoholic, but he was also a rageaholic and just angry and abusive and so forth. Occasionally fun, but mostly scary. When I was 11, I had a dirt bike and I was riding out in the rain and mud collected all up in the chain and tires and fender and all this kind of stuff and it just wouldn't go forward anymore. And I'm a ways from home, I'm 11, I don't know what to do. So I kind of drug it into, you know, behind this bush where hopefully it wouldn't be seen and I walked home to get my dad who had a pickup truck. So I get my dad and we jump in the truck and we come back around to where I left it and it's gone. And somebody had stolen it. And just out of nowhere, I never saw it coming. Boom, he just backhands me. And I remember feeling like, what was the right solution in that situation? Like, what could I have done better? You know, there's no cell phones in those days. I don't know, you know. And, and so many incidents like that, many events like that wrote on my heart, you know, be careful because you just don't know when the boom is coming. Right? So walk on eggshells and, and make sure or God's going to be upset with you. And I kind of learned if dad's mad, if dad is upset with me, the best thing I can do is avoid him for a little while, let him cool down, and then come back in the living room where he's watching TV. And I thought father was like that. If I had a day where in my mind, and, and, and maybe probably in reality, I blew it pretty good in that given day, I better avoid Father God for a while. He's probably upset with me. Let him cool off and then maybe come back and see if I can be around him again. If your need to dwell in a mother's and father's heart and to experience their embrace was unmet, if you didn't feel safe and secure in your parents' presence, it can put fears and insecurities on the inside of us. And it can create in us, unless something's come along to change it, this lens by which we see the Heavenly Father as angry, impatient, judgmental, and these types of things. Ah, yes, okay. Thank you. It, it's going to work. Okay, I don't care how bad it looks. 
because my father loves me. All right. And so, you know, that can put fears and insecurities inside of us. And then we get saved and we come to church. We spend our whole life looking for a home where we feel loved and accepted. And yet in church, sometimes we continue to battle feelings of condemnation, feelings of anxiety, feelings that we don't measure up. If your parents were angry and stern, if you couldn't do anything right, always having a pointing finger, then there's a fair chance your image of the heavenly father will be the same. The big policeman in the sky ready to point out every mistake and bring out his billy club. If we can see what our heavenly father is really like, it can change everything. It can begin to heal whatever kind of lies we've believed and and false ideas that we have about God. So here's an interesting thought. Jesus wasn't the man that he was because he was God. He was the man that he was as he walked the earth because of the father that he had. Does that make sense? Because Jesus came to walk the earth as a man. He didn't come to walk the earth drawing on his powers as God. He came to walk as we walk and yet be sinless and take our place on the cross. Does that make sense? He said he did not count equality with God as a thing to be held on to, but came down to earth, took on the form of a man, was obedient even unto death on the cross, right? But if you read through the Gospels, look at the references again and again and again to the Father. In the book of John, there are over 120 references to the Father in that one book alone, in the book. Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself... But what he sees the Father do. And for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So there's a number of verses that actually say this. That Jesus only did what he saw his Father do. And he only said what he heard his Father say. And then it said here, he lived like that because the Father loved him. There was a love relationship between the father and the son. And so that's how he lived. He only did what the father does. In John 8, 38, it says, Jesus says, I speak what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. So this is an interesting verse. It's saying, I do the deeds of my father. And he's saying to the Pharisees, you do the deeds of your father. So if, if your image of the Father is with arms open wide, ready to receive you with arms of love, even when you've made a mistake, you will do the deeds of your Father. But if your image of God is a pointing finger and, and quick to anger and quick to judge you and quick to close his heart towards you, you may struggle being like that with your family. Because it's the image of fathering that you know, like these two pastors that I talked about. We, we tend to relate to fathering the only way we know, have learned and, and, and know how to relate to fathering. John 14, 9 says, when you've seen the son, you know what the father is like. Hebrews 1, 3 says, Jesus is the express image of his person. So Jesus only does what the Father does, only says what he hears the Father say. When you've seen Jesus, you know what the Father is like. He's the express image of his person. 
And so all the miracles and acts of compassion that Jesus did, where did they come from? The Father. He saw his Father doing that. He heard what his Father was saying, right? The woman caught in the very act of adultery, brought to his feet. She should be stoned, right? You know the story, and he draws in the dirt a little bit, and then finally gives an answer. He who has no sin cast the first stone. Where did that come from? came from the Father. You know, maybe as he was bending down, drawing in the dirt, you know, kind of silently he was praying, Father, what do you say right here? The law says she should be stoned, right? And he shares this wisdom. One more verse here in, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you, you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if Jesus gives us rest, if he's gentle and lowly in heart, what's the Father like? He gives us rest, and he's gentle and lowly in heart. And he also expresses meekness. I understand that this, this can be confused. I understand that people can say, okay, well, you're saying people can just, you know, commit sins and the Father still loves them. But enabling love is not love. Continuing to give money to a drug addict is not a loving act, right? We're not saying that Father can't correct and, and discipline, but, but his heart is love, right? He's, he's not personally feeling rejected because, doggone it, his people just won't obey him, right? He's bigger than that. He's more mature than that. You know, his, his love is holiness. Only love matures. We're pointing out all of our mistakes. I remember I was at this one point where in those days we're like, I'm trying to fast all the time and trying to pray all the time and just always thinking God's mad with me, always trying to somehow do more so God will be happy with me. And so like this one night, I'm praying by my bed and I just kind of cry out to God and I'm like, God, you know I love you, you know, and I, I'm, I want to do all these things, you know, so you'll be happy with me and bless me and anoint me and all this stuff. But God, I'm tired. Like I've been trying hard for a while and like I'm exhausted. You know, and I'm just pouring my heart out to, to, to God, you know, almost like one of the Psalms or something. And all of a sudden, it's like something just broke. And like heaven just kind of opened. And I just felt this incredible sense of God's presence. And I almost had a sense where God had like a small chuckle, you know, and just kind of, Robert, that's what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for you to run out of your own strength Look to me, come to me, let me help you, let me be with you, let me show you how much I love you. And it was just, you know, it's, it's not like everything was perfect at that point, but, but it was so much better. It's like something broke that night. And something else God spoke to me in that whole event that was really, really interesting. He was saying, Robert, if you're failing in some way, and so you embrace condemnation, and condemnation cuts you off from God, who's your only help, then what's your answer? 
Condemnation's a dead-end street, right? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That doesn't work. There's no way to win. So, just want to finish up here, but think about this. Which image of God would you have more respect and awe and love for? The one with the pointing finger constantly on you are, are the ones, the, one, the image of God with arms outstretched wide, ready to receive you at any moment. Which image of God do you feel like would be more likely to heal your fears and your anxieties? The, the pointing finger or, or the outstretched arms? When you were a little boy, a little girl, which image of God did you want your mom and dad to be like? You know, the pointing finger, the extended arms, or in your family, which one do you think your wife and kids would most likely want you to be like? Which one do you think the lost and broken and sinners would most likely be attracted to? You know, the Dominican Republic has internet, cell phones, TikTok. I've never looked at a TikTok, but I think it's big with kids. <laughs> they have all the influences, and, and the churches that are clinging to the legalism are shrinking. The, the young people don't want any part of it. They don't want any part of it. And the churches, that, that, you know, like Raul, they're, they're, they're getting healed and, and they're loving. And it doesn't mean anything goes, but, but the love is presence. And they feel like Raul, wow, they're using my name. I feel welcome here. You know, those are, are the churches that are doing better. So I want to ask you just to bow your heads and, and close your eyes, and I'll just say a, a prayer with you. I really just want to ask you to have a, just a quiet prayer time there where you're seated with God and just talk to the heavenly father quietly and just tell him anything that's on your heart. If you feel like, yeah, you know, I've battled with this image of father being angry. Would you just tell God that this morning? Yeah, God, that that's been me. I've, I've battled with that. And father, I ask you to come in now and heal my heart heal that thing in me that's wanted to think that you're angry and brought condemnation into my life. If you feel like your earthly father or maybe a a church that you were a part of in years past, something just communicated to you, maybe even preached to you an angry God, would you be willing to forgive them this morning? God, I forgive them. They expressed the only fathering that they knew. I choose to forgive that in Jesus' name. I choose to let that go. Father, heal my heart. I want want to invite your love to come in. Show me your nature. Show me your love. Show me your freedom. Cause me to cry out, Abba, Father. God, thank you for your patience and your loving kindness and your goodness, your love. In Jesus' name, amen.